This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. Hello, podcast friends. This is Bentley Manning coming to you from the Church of the Incarnation. Hey, everybody. It's Callan. It's a beautiful day in Highlands today. It's wonderful. It's it's it was cold this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for instance, for some reason Bentley didn't wear a coat, but it was like thirty-three degrees out. Because this afternoon it's going to be something like sixty-eight degrees. Really? Yes. Oh. It's like, it's what you imagine, I think, when you think about Western North Carolina. Really? I do. Cold mornings, kind of warmer afternoons. That's what I imagine, uh, like in the desert. Well, let's, okay, well, we can pretend that we're in the desert. (laughs) Either way, it's a wonderful day. And just a reminder, we're coming to you from a construction zone. So if you hear hammering, sawing, pounding, you know, that's normal. So speaking of hearing things, we have some new microphones today. Um, Can you tell? I hope they can tell, Kellen. I can tell. (laughs) The setup feels much more professional. (laughs) Can you describe what you mean by that? Substantial. Uh, We've made an investment in the podcast. I would remind everyone that there is a way that you can contribute to this podcast. You just simply... Uh, press, uh, there's a little button, I believe, that says contribute here. Your contributions <laughs> might go to these new microphones. <laughs> exactly. So we have these new microphones. When we first started, I believe that we were just using, Kellen doesn't like it when we kind of reflect like this, but I think it's it's important. I just don't want to like navel gaze. All right. I do for a second. Okay. <laughs> when we first started, we used the internal microphone in the computer. Yes. Do you remember that? I do, because we like literally decided we were going to do a podcast and then Just made it, it on the same day. And then maybe like three weeks in, two weeks in, we bought some microphones. And I'll just tell y'all, they were $25 a piece. That's they, real. They really, I mean... The question is, how do you actually make something like that? And it only costs $25. It's a great question. Probably. Anyway, we'll, we'll kind of put a post-it note on that and come back to it. We now have some microphones to your point, Kellen, like your question, why does this feel a bit more professional? We've invested in some nicer microphones and we hope that you all uh, can can hear the difference. Maybe our voices will be like more enjoyable and bearable for people on the other side. I certainly find that I want to articulate a bit more with the new (laughs) microphone. Like it is, it deserves my best. Okay. I was getting a little mumbly. Sure. Anyway, we've got new microphones, um, and it's. Uh, we hope you can tell. Let us know. Testing one, two, three. Here I go. Give me that microphone. So, something really exciting happened last Thursday in terms of our building project. And I feel like it's something that we've been waiting for for a long time. I don't know if you want to share with our podcast fam 
Sure. I think I think I know what you're talking about, Kellen. Um, last week, they they put up the altar piece. You might be thinking about like a reredos. It goes right behind the altar. They put that structure up, which also then allowed us uh, to install the kind of the painting, which is a kind of a triptych of sorts uh, that will be in the new sanctuary. And we had, the painting had been in the church, the sort of building for months in a crate. Correct. And and I think the two of us exhibited an enormous amount of forbearance because we kept it in the crate. I think that we were concerned about the well-being of the painting. Correct. Right? More than we were eager to see it, which... That's right. I think is a sign of care. Yes. And respect. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, it was awesome to see out of the crate. Yeah, and I think, Kellen, it might be worth you kind of sharing your experience because you, you, you kind of saw it and then didn't see it. And do you want to... That's something that I think we've we need to maybe talk about. Yeah, I guess I think there's some, like internal staff conflict last Thursday, just to be fully transparent about this. Um, You know, Thursday afternoon, this painting was going to be installed. I was up there from like one to two, kind of hanging out, waiting to see it. I I saw the painting, but I didn't see it sort of installed because I had a meeting from two to three. And I, I thought certainly this thing is not going to get installed and then covered up within one hour. But that just wasn't even on my, like, it just wasn't in my brain. I think maybe see also the earlier comments about the care and concern. Sure. We just wanted but to like, make sure the dust. I was in the nave for like a whole hour and nothing happened <laughs> with the painting. So I thought surely in the next hour, you're, they're not only going to just install it and then wrap it. But I was wrong. I walked upstairs after my one hour long meeting and it was already covered. And so I just said, does anybody have a picture that I could look at? <laughs> and we did. And you did. And it was it was really beautiful. This is just to say, like, you all out there who might be longing to see the painting installed, only like four people saw it. One being Bentley Manning. Um, but I wasn't one of those four people. And so I, I'm, I'm with you in terms of waiting to appreciate it and all of its beauty. But I think we could maybe, Kellen, um, tell the folks what they have to look forward to. I mean, just a little bit about the composition. Yeah, you'll have to share that with them. Yeah. <laughs> so sure, the, the painting is of uh, the nativity and kind of the epiphany, right? So it's the moment when the Magi arrive and... Um, which is to say the Gentiles, right? They show up and see the birth of Christ. Um, It's really striking. Um, The Magi uh, in this painting and in other paintings uh, depicting the same scene represent uh, people from around the globe. Um, It's a beautiful painting. There's a lot of creation uh, packed into it. There are bugs, uh, spider webs, Bunnies. Bunnies, squirrels, <laughs> uh, honeybees. They're all types of uh, little bits of creation. And one of the things in particular, I, I want everyone to be able to explore this and, and delight in it and come up with their own connections. But I think it's worth just saying one of the things that's really striking uh, in the painting is that the scene is wintertime. 
uh, when you look at the background, uh, the trees are bare uh, and it's clearly a winter scene. Uh, but near the, uh, the Christ child, near Jesus, spring has arrived and it's a really wonderful scene. Um, Kellen, not to give away the whole painting for folks, I guess you have to see it anyway, right? I think you can't just describe a painting, you have to see it. But for you, you've seen pictures of it, you've seen it, uh, you've seen the painting. What particular piece really resonates with you or what kind of jumps out? There's a lot to love about the painting. One of the things that I think people would immediately notice is the saturation of the colors are just like really bold and vibrant. Um, And yeah, like there's just immediate life in the painting because of that. I would also, you know, when you do see it, y'all, just notice like where gazes are going in the scene. Um, A lot of the gazes are going towards the baby Jesus, but then there are some interesting other gazes happening in different directions, which, yeah, I don't, I won't want to like narrate all of them right now, but that is something that is really fun. In the eyes of this child, in the still of the night, his life proclaiming love over So I'm I'm preaching this week, I believe, and um, yeah, we're getting near the end of ordinary time. We are, and I'm a bit surprised by that. Advent is around the corner. Um, <laughs> Off the microphone, Bentley was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's almost Thanksgiving and it's almost Advent." Well, like he actually was like shocked. Well, this coming Sunday is the in some sense like the last Sunday in ordinary time. And then it's Christ the King, which is actually the last Sunday in ordinary time. Sure. Um, but it kind of stands alone. alone. Anyway, uh, this coming Sunday, we will uh, read a portion of the 13th chapter of Mark. And in it, uh, the disciples gather around Jesus and Jesus begins to tell about uh, the coming destruction of the temple uh, and says to the disciples that not one stone will be left upon another. Uh, And then a bit later on, uh, at the Mount of Olives, opposite of the temple, uh, some of the disciples come to Jesus privately and they ask about when this will take place and how uh, they might know that it's about to happen. And Jesus says, basically, uh, be careful that no one uh, leads you astray. 
other folks will come in his name and, and pretend that they are him. Uh, but the disciples need to make sure that they're not led astray, uh, that they'll hear of wars and rumors of war, uh, but they shouldn't be alarmed that many things must take place first uh, before the destruction of the temple. And so that's a bit of a, an overview of, of the gospel reading uh, that a lot of things must take place before the destruction of the temple and the disciples need to be careful not to be led astray. All right, Kellen, I think that's the best I can do uh, with the summary. It's obviously a difficult gospel reading, hard to maybe make the connections at first blush. Uh, what are you chewing on? What are you thinking about just as you as you consider this gospel reading? So I first just want to remind our podcast fam that at the end of the liturgical year and the beginning of the liturgical year, which means like mid-November through early December, we get these um, end times readings, right, from whatever gospel it is and then um, at the beginning of Advent too. So this kind of fits within the liturgical calendar um, and get ready for the next few weeks because I think they're just going to keep coming. But in Mark, Mark 13, it's known as sort of like the little apocalypse or the mini apocalypse because it's not full-blown apocalyptic literature, but it's about as apocalyptic as Mark gets. So maybe we should just say some things about that genre first and then move to maybe how I'm thinking about preaching it. Well, Kellen, I think you're kind of putting me on the spot. I haven't done much reading on apocalyptic literature recently, but uh, my general sense is that this is a genre of literature where folks think about God's justice in the fullness of time and God setting things right um, and kind of how things will end in the fullness of God's time. That's the best I've got at the moment. What are you thinking about with apocalyptic literature? I think that's a really like lovely and hopeful way of talking about apocalyptic literature. I think there's a lot of apocalyptic lit that is like much darker, more violent, and brutal. Um, I don't see that quite as much in Mark 13. But maybe to my point, the part of the reason it can get darker and more brutal is because if you are a group of people who seeks for some things to be leveled out, made right, balanced, uh, and you've you know, you've had a tough go at it. You could see how you might want the world to end uh, and have a reversal of the way things have been for you. Totally. I mean, scholars talk about all sorts of reasons why apocalyptic literature, um, you know, is born. And like one of them, you know, a few of them are like empire comes and destroys your culture and sort of like the trauma of your civilization being wiped out and um, the hope that you might have in God or the angels or whoever it is um, to restore order, restore peace, to give um, to give the righteous what they're due. So yes, I totally think it's like born out of a place of oppression and um, and I think, like, to keep that in mind with apocalyptic literature is super important. Or else it just reads as this, like, really <laughs> bizarre, sometimes very violent, um, sharp literature. Yeah, but not to oversimplify what you're saying, but 
apocalyptic literature is a kind of is is a way in which people paint the picture of God's judgment and justice coming to pass. Yeah. Yeah, it's literature of hope. Yeah. So here in Mark 13, <laughs> we have this view of the temple, you know, this image of the temple being destroyed and um, and that all these signs are going to take place and there are going to be teachers or people who come pretending to be the Messiah. And just to make sure our listeners are clear about this, we're not just talking about like a temple, some temple. We're talking about the temple. It's a good point. Like in Jerusalem. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Like the place of make sure worship we, for right. all the Jews. The dwelling place of God. Yes. Okay. Um, But here in our, in our text, I feel like the warning really, really is focused on, you know, beware that people might come pretending to be me. Um, sort of this warning against false teachers. That seems to be the thrust of our particular passage. All right, Kellen, that is an enormously helpful insight for me. And I don't know that there's always these kind of one-to-one parallels, but as you talk about the false teachers, isn't it exactly when things fall apart, right? When our dream for the world crumbles that we are led to kind of lots of different forms of salvation and hope um, in lots of different ways. And I again, uh, th- this is not maybe exactly what's being said in the gospel, but it does stir my heart to think about, you know, when things get tough, where do I go uh, for hope and where do I go um to receive the good news. And sometimes there are false teachers in lots of different forms that offer that. I think that's kind of what I'm chewing on at the moment. Yeah, I think one sort of invitation that this text is offering us um, is where do we turn when our lives or our worlds are in ruins? Um, Or the you know, metaphorical stones have crumbled. And there are so many things, people, ideologies, substances, whatever it is that um, have the power to lead many astray. And in that grief-stricken place of your world ending it's easier to be led astray. Another part of this I'm thinking about as I read it today is that, you know, in many respects, the destruction of a temple, the destruction of a dwelling place, uh, the dwelling place on earth of God uh, is, I think, is one way of, of saying that sometimes our conception or understanding of who God is and how God works also falls apart, right? Not just the world around us, things outside of the tradition or the church, but sometimes even within the institution, things crumble. And that, I think, is um, pastorally a helpful word here uh, that Jesus is saying, hey, heads up, (laughs) even the things that you take for granted, even the things... Uh, that you hold most dear, 
in relationship to your faith and uh, your life with God, those things might fall apart at times. I think that's a really fair and good interpretation of the text. And um, as an evocative one for the coming season of Advent, which is nigh, <laughs> but, you know, in that season we where we anticipate Christ being born in the world and in us, um, there's a lot of other things that have to crumble to make room for that. Faith is laying your body down Believing new life will come up from the ground Here's a prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the Word incarnate and my true teacher. Let your spirit be present as I read and reflect upon your word. Open my heart and my mind to understand your revelation, that I may be rooted and grounded in your love and grow into your likeness. Amen. mentioned earlier in the podcast, Advent is around the corner. We've got a lot of uh, wonderful opportunities ahead of us this Advent season. Just want to get on your radar uh, before it shows up. Uh, We will have a Wednesday night program here in the chapel, and we'll look at uh, short stories um, and be together, reflect on those stories, uh, chew on them, think about them. It should be a really exciting, wonderful, uh, thought-provoking time. Kellen, remind me what time that is. 5.15. 5.15. 5.15 in the chapel um, on Wednesdays. Please check your weekly email to see more information about that. And in addition to our Sunday morning services in Advent, we'll also have a 5 o'clock um, service. And it's really lovely because we light a lot of candles and it's quiet and dark and light and um, a perfect contemplative service for Advent. Yeah. Uh, know that we love you. We miss you. God's peace. God's peace.